Welcome to this week's episode of Let's Watch Scary Movies. As always, we are your horror hosts. I am Jenny. And I'm Caitlin. And we're coming to you from separate places. We are apart. Sadly, sadly we are. I'm here in London. Jenny is in beautiful Nottingham. It looks really sunny there, actually. Yeah, it's still really light. It's still, I'm very bright. It's been quite nice. A little bit overcast, actually. So good. We're talking about the weather. Yeah. I am in. I'm in my dark little recording box. There's no natural light in here at all. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'm really excited about. Well, I'm excited about today's episode because it was sort of a an unusual, an unusual one in the sense of how we found it. Like yeah. it, it had been on my radar because I like Edgar Wright. Jenny, do you like Edgar Wright? Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm not bothered. Did he do all of the Cornetto trilogy? Yes. Because it was like Hot Fuzz, The End of the World, or something like this. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, obviously Shaun of the yeah. Dead. Yeah, so I like those films. I, I don't know, I'm just not, apart from, to be honest, apart from Shaun of the Dead and, and Hot Fuzz, I'm not bothered by any of his other films. But other than the Cornetto trilogy, what else did he do? Scott Pilgrim. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, Baby Driver. Oh, I liked Baby Driver. I did like that. Yeah. I don't know. See, I like him. I'm not so bothered about Hot Fuzz. I do like Shaun of the Dead. The, uh, the movie with the pubs, the end of the world, or mm-hmm. at the end of the world, or the last pub on the left, something like this. But that... <laughs> But that one was okay. Baby Driver, I liked genuinely. And I and I liked this film too. And it definitely had some Edgar Wright stamps on it, just in terms of like the soundtrack, for example. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack was fantastic. I was talking about it with Andy um, after I watched it. And I was saying, you know, that I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was that kind of turned me off his films. And Andy made a good point. And he said, he's kind of too obsessive about the music as in it's like he finds a song and goes oh I'm gonna like make a movie to go around that song because it's such a brilliant song and it just gets a little <laughs> bit like all right I'm kind of bored of listening to his music taste <laughs> and it's a bit style over substance I think that is the case sometimes and like mm-hmm. there are elements of that in this film for sure and we'll totally talk about that because I don't disagree the music thing doesn't bother me although I I, I hear what you're saying because I don't think he makes a whole film around a song, although that's very funny. But I think that, yeah, he can, maybe he's paying more attention to the, the playlist as opposed to, you know, other things. I'm not sure, but I never, you know, I always liked the music. And sometimes mm-hmm. I learn about new music that I didn't before. That was the case with Baby Driver for sure. But yeah, so I don't know. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Now it's time for a breakdown. So for context, I will say, I watched this on a flight (laughs) (laughs) while I was flying over to, I believe, to Las Vegas. And 
I found it on there and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to watch this. And, and so I was sort of scribbling notes. Um, the person sitting next to me was not impressed because <laughs> everyone was trying to sleep and I had the light on and I'm just scribbling away because I didn't want to forget anything. Cause I had the feeling we might not record it for a little while. Yeah. So, um, I may be relying on you for some bits. <laughs> Jenny just watched it recently, right? Like just yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's fairly fresh, fairly fresh, but yeah, it was, it was one that I'd seen advertised and thought it looked fairly interesting, but then I just never felt a strong desire to watch. Even well, I though can imagine, all the reviews were good, you know? Yeah, and I, good. and I can imagine, like, if you're not a huge Edgar Wright fan, because that element of his films kind of turns you off, then you wouldn't actively seek it out, and I can understand yeah. that. One thing I will say is, if you haven't watched this film and you think you might don't listen to the rest of this episode i mean as you know as soon as we're into the breakdown there's loads of spoilers but i feel like this is this one in particular i feel like if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it pause the episode go and watch it and then come back and listen turn to the rest. back now yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i think that's good advice because it is a new film it's only what end of last year 2021 yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's a fairly new film I don't think it's available on any streaming platform yet. I don't think so. But yeah, Edgar Wright directed, yeah. uh, starring um, Anya Taylor-Joy, who I love. Yep. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm borderline obsessed with her. I want to see everything she's in. I just love her. And then who else? It's um, Thomasin McKenzie. Yes. Who I loved in this as well. But yes. I don't know what else she's been in. She was in Jojo Rabbit. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I really liked mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I then I think she's been in or she's in oh she was in old the m night shamalama lama 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 lam one uh-huh. him <laughs> yeah that, that guy world famous director yeah <laughs> m night shamalama lama 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 yeah uh, old okay i don't even know that one. Oh, that's one i haven't seen yet i really want to again that was last year and it's the trailers like they're on a, people are on a beach and the beach makes them rapidly age what that sounds super interesting. Yeah. No, I've not, I've not heard of that one. We should watch but there, that. But there's actually a bunch of horror movies out right now I want to see. We should talk yep. about it at the end. Yes, um, we will. Yeah. We'll have a little roundup. All right, all right, all right. All right, Let- so we've given our warnings. We're, we're going yes. in. So we start with this door. It's dark and a door opens and you see a silhouette of a girl in like a dress and like 60s music starts to play and she's like dancing through a corridor in a house, in an incredible dress made of newspaper, and she's in her bedroom, and it's you know, bre- um, is it breakfast at Tiffany poster on the wall? Yeah, and, I actually w- when it first opened, I thought it was the sixties. Same, but absolutely. but actually, yeah, it's present day because the dress. But her, when did when did you style, realize? When did you realize it was present day? Not until she started talking to her grandmother, I think. Oh, that okay. No, no, that's better than I think. Yeah, I what didn't realize until she was on the train and put her headphones on. Ooh, maybe it was actually for me too because I remember she was talking to her grandmother about uni. Yeah, and then I started thinking, oh, is it? Is this? But yeah, maybe it, yeah. it, it was solidified for me when she was wearing her. She was yeah. wearing like beat Beats headphones yeah, in, a, yeah. in a later scene. But yeah, so she's sort of flitting around her room, listening to sixties music, dressed all in sixties, everything sort of. Yeah. 
sixties retro, all of that vibe. Um, and then she, she finds out that she's been accepted to university in London. Yeah. Well, she says suddenly her, her mother appears in the mirror behind her and she's like, Oh, it's good news, isn't it? And then when she turns around, her mom's not there and she just runs down the stairs and yeah, she's got her grand's holding a letter, an acceptance yeah. letter. Um, oh yeah. Is- and, and then you sort of figure, see, I didn't know that was her mom either. Yeah. That, that took me a little while to figure out. Did you immediately know that? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just really slow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't realize. Okay. So yeah. And then her grandmother sort of confirms what they've just sort of shown you, which is that she has kind of feelings or like almost like psychic powers. She kind of has a, a sixth sense about yes. things. Oh, you're right. Actually, I wrote what's happened to her mom. Also, I just realized it's modern times. I thought it was the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went from thinking it was the 60s. Yeah. At the beginning. to then thinking it was the 80s because, you know, when she's talking to her gran about like her and her like her mom being in London and things, I thought, oh, maybe. Right. OK. The, the pictures were taken in the 60s. And, you know, this is now her her teenage daughter in the 80s. Right, yes. And even yeah. when she gets in a car and gets, like, driven and you see, like, her alarm clock and things, none of that's modern. All of that was no. kind of, like, 80s. And it wasn't until I saw her put her headphones on that I was like, oh, no, it's now. So it was kind of like I, I kind of came, you know, in 20-year leaps <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, and yes, yeah, so you find out that her mother um, has died, and that mm-hmm. Ellie has always had this like she's kind of psychic, and she can see her mum, and her grand's worried that being around all these people in London is going to be too much for her, that she'll get overwhelmed, and you kind of figure out that her mum killed herself and probably had the same sort of powers from the sounds of it. Yeah, um, exactly. That she got overwhelmed by yeah. London. And so obviously her grandmother is very reluctant, you know, to let her go. So, yeah. So, but she does go and she sort of says goodbye to the girl in the mirror, who's her mother. Um, and she goes to London. Yep. And along the way, she has what may be described as the worst cab driver. Oh my God. Of all yeah. times. Yeah. So, you know, she's from, she's from Cornwall out in the country you know she's never been to London as an adult before and she just gets off the train and gets into a black cab and yeah the 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 taxi driver like it made me want to I was like curling up he was so creepy yeah he was like the sleaziest creepiest taxi driver yeah it it was it was horrible he was like looking at her legs in the rearview mirror and then he made some sort of comment like oh it's you and a bunch of girls that live in this building yeah He's like, oh, if that's the case, you'll uh, you'll see me, me uh, around here all the time. I'll be your first stalker. And then when she's trying to get out by saying she doesn't have enough fare, and he's like, oh, it's okay. I'm so- sure we can come to some sort of arrangement. <laughs> yeah. No. Worst driver ever. He's yeah. getting a zero Uber rating. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And she does the right thing. She gets out and she goes into a, a shop and stays there until he's gone. And then she goes to her her dorm like her halls and moves in and meets her new roommate now Caitlin as you and I both went to university in North London I was yes, did. <laughs> that the whole thing of like rocking up 
to like halls and it being grim as fuck in like the shittiest part of London, North London. Did, did that bring back any memories for you? Because it certainly oh, did for me. I mean, just a few. There were blurry yeah. memories, but yeah. <laughs> Ponder's End, that was the name of the area where our housing was at Union, mm. where Jenny and I met. And it was, I don't know, equal parts dangerous, <laughs> remote, yeah. dark, sort yeah. of shitty. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, absolutely. But she, oh, but there was one thing. As she's struggling with her luggage to go inside yes. her dorms, there is a cute guy mm-hmm. eating an apple sort of outside and he offers to help her. And she really kind of pushes him briskly, you know, rejects him probably because of what just happened with the cat. Exactly. Drug. Yeah. But she, yeah, she's got her back up now. Yeah. She's like, no, 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 thanks. Um, yeah. So she, she goes into her grim <laughs> sort of dorm room, yeah. starts unpacking um, her stuff and she meets her roomie, Jacosta. Oh, is that her also, name? Jacosta. I've yeah. just got her down as Mega Bitch. And that is or Mega Jacosta, Bitch or, or Mean Girl. Mega Bitch and Mean Girl are both appropriate nicknames. Jacosta, though, a little bit of history here, okay. is the, I believe, in the Greek tragedy Oedipus Rex. I believe Jacosta is his mother. And if you remember that Oedipus was doomed to kill his father and marry his own mother. They've sort of named her after like what's perceived as a villainous character in Greek tragedy. So there's that. Don't know if that was intentional, but, <laughs> but yes. Random so anyway, facts with Caitlin. That's me. <laughs> so yeah, she's kind of a bitch. She's kind of a snobby bitch. That's what I wrote. And so she meets all the other girls in the halls and they're kind of drinking and they're talking about designer clothes and it sort of comes to light that Ellie is wearing all of her own designs which I thought was quite cool but apparently apparently is not cool to the according to the other girls and somehow the conversation comes around to dead mothers really and you kind of learn that Jacosta also lost her mother yeah so Ellie has moved into her room in halls and she's met her absolute bitch douche of a roommate and her roommate tries to well basically it comes out that they're both of their mums are dead and her roommate's like yay dead mum club yay um, <laughs> and then they go into the like the I don't know like the kitchen area and they meet the rest of their new roommates and mega bitch is like Hey everybody, look at me. I'm the party girl. I'm awesome. I my mom's dead. Oh, and this is my roommate, Ellie, who turned up in her own clothes that she made. Oh, right. isn't that cute? And they yeah. all kind of mock her. But then I remember the other girls were like, You're so brave. Yeah, when when <laughs> um, so <laughs> Yes, because uh I, I keep forgetting the, the roommate's name, the bit I've just got mega bit. Jocasta. 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 And she says that she's crossed out her name, hasn't she, on the room, her surname, because she just thinks Jocosta is better than, like, her actual name. And she's talking and she's like, oh, yes, my mother died when I was, you know, 15 of leukaemia. And they're like, oh, my goodness. And then she's like, oh, Ellie's mom's dead too. Um, Was it also cancer? And she was like, oh, no, my mom killed herself when she was seven. And that's when the other girl's like, oh, my God, you're so brave. And, uh, and Jacosta's like, well, my uncle killed himself too. So I know exactly how it feels. Shut the fuck wait, up. Wait, wait, what did you say? Did you say when she was seven or no? When she was nine or seven. She was young when her mum died. Ellie was. 
Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think she was, like, a kid, basically. Yeah, she was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then they they go out for a night in Soho, and I have to admit, this scene brought back flashbacks for me. I'm not sure about you. Do you remember, like, when we were in our first year at uni, and there wasn't really a lot at our university on an evening or things, so we went to halftime, which was our student night, but then we used to go to that night in Soho. Do you remember the club? Um... No, which one? I can't remember. I think <laughs> it was called like Moonlighting or something. Well, even like where they ended up, they end up in the Toucan yeah. in Soho, which is a very, very famous Irish Irish bar. Obviously the Toucan, like all the Guinness yeah. um, adverts. And yeah, like, I mean, all of them just walking through Soho for me is just, I love it. Soho is one of my favorite places to go out in London. So I know it really well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I know where they are. I know where they are. Oh, they're in the Toucan. Okay. Yeah, I used, I used to go to a place called B at One, but that was way after uni. That was like yeah, no, no, I... no. This was this was actually like a, a student night they put on, and loads of us used to go from our university. I want to say, I, I think I so. Remember. I, remember, I remember it was in first year, so I assumed you would have come with us. But when they were walking through, especially when Ellie's kind of very overwhelmed, and she's you can tell she's very out of place with these other people that she's with. Um, yeah. she doesn't know them she's kind of just wide-eyed and yeah well, she, she sort of she wanders away from them yeah and um and she's kind of like I think this is when they're in the toucan and she goes downstairs in in the bar um and she sees a guy in the mirror who's who's not there and then she goes into the bathroom and she overhears the other girls come in it's one of those very famous overhearing the girls in the bathroom talking shit about you which is in a million movies but I'm always here for it so she hears them saying like really horrible mean things about her kind of mom and her clothes and calling her I think they call her country mouse or something like that um like a prude yeah and so then as she's leaving she sees a strange man in the alley yeah so as she's coming out she gets kind of distracted by um all the flyers in a, in a red phone booth which if you've been to London you'll know very well all the flyers for like all the sex workers and things and she's kind of stopping and she's looking at it and then kind of in the shop behind the phone booth there's a doorway to you know obviously like some sort of club or you know it's Soho it could be anything it's all very red lit like and it goes up some stairs and there's an old man stood in the doorway and she he catches her eye and she's watching him and he kind of, he's just an older man and he's got a beard and a long coat and he kind of stands looking out for a little bit and then he walks off. And at that point, she kind of decides, fuck it, I'm going home. So she goes home and puts on her 60s music on her headphones and she's going to sleep. And I'm so glad I didn't have to share an actual bedroom with somebody because she wakes up to Jocasta bringing some guy back to their room and just and like having sex with him and she like Jocasta like throws off her clothes just so they land on Ellie and she's kind of just sat up in bed like what the fuck and so she gets up with her blanket goes out into the hallway and there's a full-blown party going on in there in their halls which also totally gave me flashbacks of uni because it was like this all the time I mean this is also why we got to the point where we're like if you can't beat them join them because there's going to be partying going on so it you know and I I remember there being people in my halls who were very non-party very studious and I always felt really bad for them because no amount of complaining or telling everybody else to shut up was ever gonna work yeah see I had the opposite in you're mind. outnumbered that's, that's why I always came to your 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 halls because mine 
my uh, flat, I was the only, oh no, it was me and Kev, and we were the only British students in there. The rest were all older international students, and they were not interested in, you know, partying or doing anything. Half of them didn't really speak English in the flat either. And it was like my first experience living with like different people. I was just like, um, and they would throw, and they would all come together and throw like big dinners in, in, the, in the kitchen, which meant that they got really arsy if I tried to use the kitchen. So I just hung out with yours. Yeah, had parties at That's your flat true. instead. That's true. Your <laughs> your flat was much quieter than yep. than my one. Yep. Um. Yeah. So anyway, there's this massive party going on in the halls, and she she nearly misses her class basically the next yeah, day. Yeah, her first day. So her first day, she wakes up. She realizes because she's had her headphones on, sleeping in the corner at this party, and she realizes, oh my god, I've almost I'm everyone's gone. I'm late for class. Yeah. And think about this: those girls must have walked past her on their way out the door oh, yeah. and not even woke her up. Yeah. Bitches. All of yeah. them. So anyway, she, she's running to class. I, I just have your, she nearly misses her class. John is nice. Yeah. So John's the guy who, when she first arrives at the, at the building, well, offers to help her with her bags and she says no. And then when she's at the party, because she's, before they go out, she's like drinking a can of Coke and she puts it in the fridge and Jocasta's like, oh, you have to write your name on it. So she does. Or Jocasta writes her Ellie on, on this half drunk can of Coke or whatever. And at the party, John's like, oh no, is this your Coke? I'm drinking it. I'm really sorry. And he like sits down next to her, but she doesn't want to talk to him. So then when she gets to like this big lecture hall where they're having their like introduction, he saved a seat for her, which yes. yeah, I thought was quite nice. Clearly he likes her and yeah. he's very sweet. He's very so- sweet. So after all of this, where she nearly misses her class, she basically decides to move into a flat. And this is where I feel like you kind of move into the whole first part of the movie up until she moves into this flat to me is like exposition. Yes, absolutely. And so then she she goes to Gooch Street. And again, like the Londoner in me is, you know, I used to work in Gooch Street. I know that area super well, exactly where she was right next to my old job so she goes to this flat and meets mrs collins who's a landlady and she's quite the character in and of herself yeah um and so anyway ellie moves into this kind of upstairs bedroom it's very small and sort of self-contained i think she has like a she has her own bathroom yeah she's her own bathroom yeah she's got like a sink up there yeah so she moves in and she's listening to her music and she goes to bed and she pulls this. I love this shot. She pulls the sheet over her head to go to bed and you almost like disappear under the sheet with her. I mean, there are some brilliant shots in this movie. They're just so interesting and sort of unexpected. And I think, you know, once you've seen a million horror movies the way that we have, I can appreciate these types of sort of touches, you know, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so and all of a sudden, suddenly she's walking in her pajamas. So she's pulled the covers over her head and all of a sudden it's like there's a wormhole under there or something and she's gone. She's gone from her bedroom and she's walking down an alley. She's in Leicester Square um, where there's like a big movie marquee and I believe it's Thunderball. Is it the James Bond movie? I that's, think so. That's on the yeah. marquee. Yes, um, because you see, um, yes, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, yeah, and so she, and so yeah, and so she goes into this, I don't know, like a club or like a. Yeah, it's like a sixties club. It's like is it Cafe Paris she goes into? 
Yeah, that might yeah. be. I thought it was maybe the second one, but maybe you're right. It's yeah. The first one, but, but she's in Leicester Square, so she goes yeah. into one of these really old school clubs and she looks into the mirror. She just kind of like walks right in. And as she glances over in the mirror, she sees that she's not herself. Like it's not her reflection in the mirror. It's the reflection of Anya Taylor Joy, who we've talked about previously. She's an actress that I really love from she's the, in Witch. the Witch. Yeah, she's, she's in, in um, The Northman, The Queen's Gambit. Um, yeah, I just love her. I would be quite happy if I looked in the mirror and saw Anya Taylor Joy looking back at me. <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> no complaints there. I mean, she's stunning, right? Yeah, and she's also, absolutely gorgeous. And she's a super good actress. Like, we just love <clears> her. So, anyway, she looks in the mirror and she's got this, you know, blonde sort of blonde kind of 60s. Yeah, six, yeah, 60s hair and this gorgeous kind of chiffon pink dress. Because I was living for all the fashion, I have to say. So <laughs> anyway, she's kind of twirling her hair. And then we meet Sandy and we learn that this beautiful blonde kind of wannabe singer. Oh, you're right. It is Cafe de Paris. It's called Sandy. Mm-hmm. And Sandy is just, I don't know, feeling herself. Yep. Seriously. She walks in. She struts in there. Yeah. She's and they're like, oh, <clears throat> the, the, the guy's like, oh, let me take your Coke, madam. Cape, cape. Let me take your cape, madam are you with a gentleman this evening? And she's like, no, I'm alone. And so she walks down these like beautiful grand stairs and you can see basically there's a singer on stage who I loved. It was Scylla Black. It was supposed to be Scylla Black in the 60s, which just made me laugh. Scylla Black, for those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s, was not really known as much for being as, you know, this singer, but she was obviously, that's how her career was, was a 60s singer. Um, yeah, and there's all these people sat on tables watching, and there's like a dance floor in the middle, but no one's dancing, everyone's watching. And yeah, Sandy like strides up to the bar and she's like, I want to see the man. Oh no, this horrible guy like stops her first, I think, and she just ignores him. And then she's like, I want to speak to the manager, to the barman. And he's like, Well, he's not in. You know, what what can I can pass a message on? And she basically says, Yeah, she wants to be the next to the black. And he's like, Oh, in that case, you need to go and speak to Jack. Fucking Jack. Fucking so, Jack. Fucking Jack. Doctor so who. anyway, she so she meets, you know, Jack, who I in the, initially was confused and thought he was the owner, but actually he's not the owner. It no. was just a bartender introducing to someone who they thought she should meet to further her career. So Yeah, so basically he was talking to Scylla Black uh, and, and Jack's played by Matt Smith, former Doctor Who. Which, excellent casting, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the barman's like, oh, you should talk to Jack. He knows, you know, he works with all the girls. He's a manager. So she goes over and he's already, like, been watching her from the bar and he starts talking to her and he offers to buy her a drink and then, he, you know, she's talking and she's like, I want to be the next Scylla Black. Oh, he he nails all the fuckboy banter here. Yeah. I mean, absolutely nails it. Like, yeah. they're flirting and they're sort of witty and, yeah. And so basically, yeah. they he asks her to dance. Yeah. And so, and she's, she's like, okay, no problem. I got you. I'm yeah. an amazing 60s dancer. Watch this. <laughs> so they get out on the dance floor and I loved this scene because basically it was like, Ellie is kind of watching through the mirror, but as they're dancing, she's also dancing with him. So they kept switching it so that it was like when the, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically as they're dancing and he'd sort of twirl her and as she would pass by the mirror, you would see Ellie in the mirror. Yeah. And then depending on how the camera was sort of the perspective of the camera, sometimes it looked like Ellie was dancing with him, but it was 
seamless I mean the way that it was done and edited together it was it was flawless and I loved it because of course in the beginning I'm thinking is she living in some sort of mirror dimension why does she look exactly like uh not that she looks like her but you know when she looks in the mirror and touches her hair Sandy does the same like mimics her movements like they're in you know yeah like the old like acting exercise where you're like have to mirror each other (laughs) it's yeah anyway but I, I just I thought it was such a beautifully done scene and so sort of just intriguing to watch um but anyway sort of at the end of this cool scene there's an altercation with the the man that you mentioned earlier the sort of yes. horrible man at the bar sleazy um, man yeah so they they have a fight the jack and this sleazy guy kind of get into fisticuffs yeah um, because um oh he asks to dance with sandy and sandy's like no i'm here with jack and he basically jack's like oh is he bothering you and she's like yes so he starts walking away and then this old guy called basically called sandy a whore so jack turns around and punches him and then they kind of run off into the night together they leave they leave together yeah and um he drives her home yeah and they kiss and He's, he pr- sort of promises to help her with her career. Yeah, and he says, he says, oh, I'll take you out um, tomorrow. And one thing we should note is that the place that he's taking her home to is the place where Sa- uh, where Ellie's living. He takes her back to Gooch Place. Yeah, like he takes her back there and he's like, yeah, tomorrow, you know, tomorrow night. And you have this great scene where they're driving around. They're in the car and they're driving around Piccadilly Circus and you've got all the lights up on the screens and things. And it's like very, it's kind of cool because it's very... It is how it looked in the 60s when you see all the pictures. So they've done a great job of, of recreating that. And Jack has this line when he's saying about how, you know, most people that want, want to be want to be a star, this is as close as it gets, you know, having all these lights on them in Piccadilly Circus. And you kind of get a, a taste of how it feels. And then he's like, but not you, you know, you're really going to feel it. So they're, back, they're kind of back in the same bedroom. So it's, yes. it's clear that it's the same bedroom that Sandy and Ellie both have the same bedroom and so ellie's kind of watching sandy get ready for bed and just as she reaches out to touch her ellie wakes up yeah the alarm goes so of off. Course, and so you're like was it a dream like you know I, I thought it was i was just very i was kind of hooked in you know it became my interest at the, in the at this point in the film i really wanted to know what was going on so anyway but it, this whole this whole sequence of events starts to kind of inspire her designs and so she's in class the next day and she's designing like a dress that looks like the pink dress that that sandy was wearing in her vision she also discovers some i think it's jacosta notices yeah. like a hickey on her neck and she realizes that where jack was kissing sandy she has a hickey on her neck and but it sort of like empowers her I don't yeah know, I at found... first she looks kind of shocked and, and like tries to hide it and then she looks at it and she's like no and like brushes her hair back and yeah like shows it off she's like proud well, of it it was a I like that he really and by he I mean Edgar Wright really blur blurred this line between sort of reality and it being a dream and a vision like you just really weren't sure because it ended up being real and so yes yeah, so she, she john had asked her to do something and she kind of blows off plans with john her her classmate the, the nice cute one so that she can go back into the dream with sandy so she goes back home and goes immediately back into it's like she can't wait to yeah. see the next go, installment go back to sleep i need to go yeah sleep. yeah so she 
she, and she's right back in it and right back in the vision. It's Sandy and Jack and he, he picks her up and he takes her to the Rialto. Yeah. Which I've heard of the Rialto. Obviously it's been closed for really long since I've moved to London. I think anyways, it's been closed, but I remember hearing about it and it's a very well-known place, especially from the sixties. And so he takes her for an, an audition um at the Rialto and so of course it's Sandy in front of like this group of men and basically Ellie's in the audience and and she wakes up kind of right before Sandy and Jack end up sleeping together yes so she so Anya yeah um Sandy auditions she sings a song and she's got a beautiful voice she's got a very nice voice and yeah she auditions and then afterwards she's like all excited and exuberant and she takes Jack back to her room and uh, when they're about to make love, get it on, yeah, get it on, yeah. bone. She's like, you know, <laughs> basically, Sandy's like, I'm only doing this if you're if you're in it for the long haul. And he's like, I'll be with you till the end, Sandy. That's when Ellie wakes up. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be disappointed if I was you know that close to her. <laughs> How would that work though? I don't would know. She, would she, would she feel, feel it? Penis? Yeah, or is she just an observer? It's like watching live porn. I don't know, yeah. but Edgar Wright clearly skipped over that part. <laughs> so he has her wake up and then and then you really kind of see her pulling inspiration from. I think she was always really inspired by the 60s, but now she's really pulling from specifically Sandy. So she, yeah. she, goes, she goes blonde. She changes her hair to blonde, which I have to say, I thought it quite suited her. Yeah, it was it was different, but it did suit her. And so she starts doing well in class. Like her professor seems to really like this kind of pink dress that she's designing. She goes vintage shopping. Like she's really embracing yeah. her love of the 60s. So you see Sandy in this like white kind of um, vinyl. Piece, yeah, vinyl jacket. Yeah. But, and um, Ellie finds one like exactly the same in, in a vintage shop and she buys it, it and she's horrified. It is really cool. It, it is, is really cool, cool, but it's like 350 pounds. And I had to laugh a little bit when she's like, she, at this point, she doesn't have a job. All she has, when she goes to ask the landlady about renting that room in Good Street. Now, we know what London rents are like. And she's renting... Oh, it's a single bedroom in, in Good Street? I yeah. mean, maybe the landlady was doing like a solid for the... Well, no, no, she because she even says at the beginning, she's like do you have any money? And she's like, I'm a student, I've got my bursary and I've got my loans. And the lady's like, I ask for more than some landladies. I want two months to, you know, basically she wants four months rent up front, that kind of thing. And it's like, I student loans and bursaries wouldn't cover that. <laughs> the, I mean, the thing is, I remember like at uni, the day that everybody got their student loans, it was like, I'm going to buy a PS3 or whatever it was. Like everybody went nuts and I, yeah I had tons of struggles with my student loans yeah same. as you may recall yeah <laughs> where they because mine were coming from America so it was a big mess but yeah I mean I don't think she uh, unless she's paying 400 pounds in rent or something really really low I don't yeah. know I don't know but how yeah, she so did she, it but anyway she, at this point she's out of money when she buys this coat and she remembers when she was in the toucan that first night they were advertising for staff so she decides to go see if they still yeah. still need staff. Get a pub job. That's what I did. <laughs> yep. so, so yeah, she goes and as she's in the toucan um, sort of inquiring about this job, she sees the creepy staring man from earlier. Yeah, the, the one that man. she had seen in the alley. Yeah. So anyway, so back to the dream. Yep. <laughs> she, 
So after this, she goes, she goes back home and gets in bed and, and re-enters the sort of 60s world. And suddenly she's, it says that she's in the audition at the Rialto, but I guess Sandy she, is yeah, so she's, she's at the show. She's at a show at the Rialto and Sandy isn't singing in the show. And Ellie's not in her body like she kind of has been so far. She's in the audience and she's just sat there in her pajamas in the audience watching and Sandy is basically it's like a bit almost like a burlesque show it is it's like a review yeah um and Sandy's dancing and you know she's wearing a very provocative outfit you know she's basically just in like pants she's she's like a backup dancer yeah she's a backup dancer and she's dancing and Ellie at this point Ellie's like something's not right Ellie doesn't like it she looks pissed. Yeah. As in like Sand- Sandy looks pissed. Yeah. And, and Jack is also in the audience and he's kind of, he's laughing with the guy that he fought with earlier. Yeah. And they're is sitting it- there together. Watching and Sandy like, and laughing. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So then you have this part where Ellie follows Sandy, sort of the, the review finishes. She follows Sandy into the dressing room and Sandy is pissed off and she hits the mirror. Yeah. Did she punch it or something, I think? And yeah. Hurts her hand. And it, and it hurts her hand. And Ellie goes to touch her to comfort her. Again, trying to touch her because she's not been able to touch her. And then sort of Jack comes to get her. And I've you've got in my notes, I've got you've got Ellie and Sandy switching places. But... No, all I can remember from this bit is yeah. So um you're kind of seeing how seedy it all is backstage. You know, a lot of these girls are crying and they all look sad. And then you go, and I have a feeling this is a little, like some time has passed for Sandy at this point, because this isn't her first night dancing. No. Backup dancing, you can tell, because she sat there and she's looking at her photo in the mirror, which is what you see that the previous night in her bedroom of her looking all beautiful and full of hope. And at this point, she looks quite angry and she looks quite sad and disappointed so yeah, she she gets up there and Jack comes in and he's like, I've I've got someone I need you to talk to. Yes. To like further takes, her career. Yeah. yeah. Come talk to this guy. Yeah. So takes her in to meet this guy. And he's... And I have here as well, like Ellie, she's upset and she kind of tries to run away. And Ellie kind of faces up to Jack and says, She said no. Yeah. And obviously, though, he can't hear her. And so as Sandy's running away and Ellie runs after her, you see the dancers. It's kind of this montage of, I don't know, just really kind of horrific. Like the dancers are kind of doing drugs and like hooking up with men. It's giving head to guys and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah, so she she runs home and she sees Sandy asleep in bed and there's money next yep. to the bed. And the man from earlier was in the bathroom um, and Ellie's screaming at him and he seems to see her. Like he seems to kind of look at Ellie. Yeah, um, you get I don't think he like really. This. I don't. Yeah, where you kind of it makes you wonder. I don't think he really can hear her. No, no, but, no. But yeah. Um. So then the alarm goes off. Yeah, and and then she's back out of the dream. And so this is where this was the the one flashback. So this is the third one where you really kind of the dream is not really a dream. It's it sort of starts to turn nightmarish. And yeah, you start to wonder what's wrong. It was the line that Jack says when he brings her in this room and there's like all these guys there and he's like, oh, you need to meet this one in particular. And 
he's like, oh, maybe you and I could go for um, some drinks together alone. And she looks at Jack like, well, no, I'm with Jack. And he's like, oh, Jack doesn't mind. And Jack's like, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, yeah, she she stands up and walks out and, and runs away. And that's when Ellie's like, she said no. And, yeah, like, so, and goes back to the flat. And But, yeah, Sandy has fucked this guy. Been pressured into it for the, for the yeah. money. And he and like so, he he starts talking to. Him. He's like, "Oh, I know you're not asleep. Maybe we can do this again sometime." And Sandy's just like lying in bed under the covers, pretending to be asleep, so she doesn't have to talk to him. Yes. So then you have Ellie sort of reacting to everything that's just happened. The next day, when she's in class, she she kind of freaks out about the dress when she's working on the dress. She has kind of like a freak out, and and then when later when she's working at the pub, John you know, her, the guy from her classmate comes to visit and he's trying really hard to be her friend and she's quite dismissive, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then you are reintroduced really to the creepy staring guy, as I was calling him, which you find out his name is Hansy. Yeah. So that's never a good nickname, lads. No, no. old man Hansy and the, and the guy, yeah, the guys in the bar are like, oh yeah, you know, it's, um, He's always been a bit of a player, always had a way with women. He was a ladies' man in the 60s. He knew all the girls. And, you know, obviously at this point, you're like, oh, it's Jack. And I think Ellie starts to sort of think yeah. that too. But then sort of later that evening, and in this in this time, Ellie doesn't even need to fall asleep to kind of become transported. She's mm-hmm. actually she's actually still awake this time. Um, and she sees Jack sort of dragging Sandy around and she must, she has to dance and she has to drink champagne with all these old, you know, sort of lame guys. And Ellie's watching her in the mirror chatting to a guy I, it, who appears to be a young Hansy. And that's where I kind of thought, oh, okay, it's not jack but maybe uh, but maybe it is i don't know i wasn't sure and he says that because you see her talking to like a succession of different of different guys and one of them is a young handsy and he says she should get out that she's better than this yeah and to look in the mirror and sandy won't look in the mirror and so ellie breaks the glass i actually found the scene like really emotional yeah it made me cry she breaks the glass to hug to hug sandy and i just found it like really I'm like tearing up right now. I just <laughs> found it really, it's almost like that love yourself thing, yes, right? Like Sandy yeah. didn't love herself and Ellie loved her so much and was like, you don't have to do this. Yeah, you're she better than so, this. You, yeah, yeah, she she just like, Ellie seems so desperate to help her. And then she's, and then all of a sudden she's back in her room. And I, and I wrote, can she see Sandy on the ceiling? Like what kind of what's happening here? And then you see these multiple faceless men and they really are faceless. They're like yeah. blurred out in the face. It's very creepy. And- yeah, this is the point because up until this point, I was like, why has Caitlin asked me to watch this film for the podcast? <laughs> right? It's not a horror film. It's a good film. And I, I had it paused because someone came to the door and I was talking to them and I'm like, this is a great film, but it's not a horror film at all. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's a ghost, but and then <laughs> it very suddenly, and we we're like halfway through the film at this point, we very yeah. suddenly was like, oh no, this is a this is getting this is getting really creepy. Yeah, yeah, same. Because I was sort of wondering, even myself at this point, because none of it's been scary, really. No. I mean, maybe, maybe slightly harrowing as a woman. Oh like, yeah. Th- these things are never nice to see, but 
yeah, same. I was like, what, why is this being listed as a horror? You know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. you've got these faceless men. So as I said, it's like men in suits. So they all sort of look this, the same or very similar, but their faces are blurred. But the way that they've done it, it's not like a pixelated blur. No. It's like a... It's like if someone had taken that painting, that Edward Munch painting of the scream, and it's kind of like that blurry. It reminds me a bit of um, you remember in The Ring when the, when you looked at the photos of people that that had died, and the, and there was all these pictures that had been taken after they'd watched the video, and it was the same sort of thing, almost like someone had put them in a photo app and smudged it. Yes, yes, that's like a the blurring tool. It. Like someone had dragged their eyes down and like yeah. So she, so she tries, so there's all these multiple faceless men sleeping with Sandy. And I yeah. liked this kind of analogy because that's probably what it seemed like to her. Like yeah. they didn't, they didn't have individual personalities or names. They were just a bunch of faceless men. So, and they're all very hostile and seemingly very aggressive so Ellie tries to run and this is where you've really really blurred the line I'm really not sure is she still in this other dimension like what's going on and so she tries to run out of her room then then she's back in the room but then the dream is over and then what's happening I'm not sure she's in the classroom she's she's losing her mind yeah yeah. she's she's drowning in all of these things she I don't think she can tell anymore what's real and what isn't and it's really fucking with her she's she's properly starting to lose it she's getting overwhelmed she's terrified she doesn't want to sleep you know it's it's all too much for her and she can't cope with it anymore because these you know she's not getting any rest you go to sleep to rest and yes you have dreams and sometimes you have nightmares but you know every time she goes to sleep she's falling into sandy's world like at this point it's probably been weeks since she last had any rest yeah, absolutely. And 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 what that little bit of a blurred line from earlier is now really yeah, like the worlds are colliding in a way. Yeah, she'll be um, talking to somebody and then suddenly they turn into one of these like blurred men. And I've written down like is she being haunted by the ghosts of all of Sandy's Johns? Cuz like that's what it just <laughs> seemed like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so she's at the Toucan working and she's talking or is she oh, I don't know, she's she's either at the Toucan or she's talking at uni she's talking to josh anyway is it josh john john John. yeah sorry yeah she's talking to john and she's kind of finally opening up to him and telling him that she's having a bad time and he's like well it's halloween what are you doing and she's like nothing and he's basically i'm going to halloween party do you want to come and she's like, yeah, because she doesn't want to go home. She, she wants to, to she wants to get out of the house. Yeah. yeah. She wants to get she, out she, of that flat. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to go back there on her own. Um, so they dress up like ghosts, which I find was really funny. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, we're already in black. Let's just put some face paint on and go. And they go, yeah, they go to Inferno. And it's full of people dancing, all dressed up. And the mean girls are there. And they give them these drinks. Oh, can I just mention that the mean girls are dressed like the craft? Which I absolutely loved. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it was just very fitting. So, yeah. So they give them these drinks and the way that they film them handing them the drinks, they kind of imply that maybe Jocasta has put something in the drinks or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's- well, especially from then the way that Ellie and John start partying after one drink. Although, you know I mean? Because of- Ellie doesn't strike me as a drinker. <laughs> so no, that's true. But she works in a pub. 
So yeah, they're but they're dancing and she starts to see visions of yeah. these kind of faceless men and Jack and Sandy. And it's quite scary, I thought. Yeah. This part. It was pretty freaky. Um, and so she tears out of the club, goes running out in the street, and John follows her. And as they're out in the street, like underneath this like overpass, and it's chucking, her. it's chucking down with rain. Yeah, and they kiss finally, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Ellie. Um, and so she decides to take him home, even though there's a rule. Yes, Collins has Collins a rule. Has a rule. No, no, ma- no male callers after eight. And as they go up into the room, and they're sort of kissing, and like things are happening, and you kind of think Ellie's ready to, yeah, <laughs> take the plunge. <laughs> I was going to say, John's going to lay the pipe. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> so she, um, and she starts to have visions while they're t- hooking up. She starts to have visions of Sandy being murdered by Jack. And she, she starts freaking out, basically. Yeah. She's screaming. And then the landlady is knocking on the door. And then she comes in. She's screaming at John to get out. Yeah, the whole this whole scene, scene's quite traumatic because yeah, she's lying in bed and, so John, and John's on top of her, like kissing her, and he's not being, you know, he's being quite gentle, and she's looking and above her, almost as if there's like a mirrored ceiling, which there isn't, like previously when you when you can kind of she's seeing Sandy and these like men on the ceiling, she's seeing Sandy and Jack, and Jack's basically like shouting at her, going, "Oh, um, you don't defy me," and he's choking her, and there's like he's holding a knife at her. Ellie's getting really, really worked up. But at first, I don't think John realises that it's a bad kind of, you know, her she's breathing very rapidly. And I think he thinks that he's got more skills. Yeah. (laughs) Like like most men. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But then you see like Sandy... Well, he he does laws Jack's face. Yeah, and he well, and he and John in the real life version starts to realize, I think, yeah. that that something's wrong, and so yeah. she's not present. Like, no. as in Ellie is not there; she's somewhere else watching this thing on the ceiling. So, yeah, and then yeah, and you you see like you see like this knife, and you see Sandy's eyes, and then it's coming down, and you see all this blood. And then you kind of see Sandy like lying on the bed, like looking away, like very dead eyed and just covered in blood. And that's when Ellie properly freaks and she's starting to scream. And yeah, you've got the landlady banging on the door, asking who's in there. And John freaks out because she's screaming like, get off her, get off her. And John backs into a mirror and breaks a mirror and he's got his shoes on. And the door finally opens and the landlady like screams at John to get out and he goes running out. Um, but the poor guy's like his feet are all cut up because he's stood on this broken mirror and there's like blood everywhere. And the landlady's basically like, Did he hurt you? And Ellie's like, No, 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 he didn't hurt me. And she's like, Right, okay, we'll talk about this tomorrow then. And just kind of leaves Ellie <laughs> to it. Yep. Yep. And then and then it's kind of the next morning. And the landlady, I thought Mrs. Collins was kind of pretty nice about it. Um, but Ellie you know she goes to class yeah well you have this line before she goes to class when she's talking briefly to the landlady about it and she's like did somebody die in my room and miss collins is like it's london someone has died in every room in every building on every street corner there's like ghosts everywhere basically is what she's trying to say and she's like well um specifically someone called sandy and there's been a lot of girls in that room. Not all of them gave their real names. 
Yes. And then, yeah, then she goes to class and you see she's like very shaken up. She's still got her like Halloween makeup still kind of half on. Just like the black around her eyes hasn't really gone away. And she's, yeah, she's an absolute wreck at this point. And she's, and, and she has a vision that the dress that she's been working on is covered in blood. And so she, she freaks out and she's seeing Jack and she sees more faceless men again, kind of in the classroom, like, like following her almost or, or mm-hmm. coming for her. And so, yeah, then she has this, this vision almost of Sandy wearing the dress covered in blood. And so she decides to go to the police and you're kind of thinking, I know, at least for me, I was kind of thinking, okay, you clearly have like some sort of psychic or capabilities where you have visions and things like this. So I wasn't really sure like what she thought the police were going to do. But having said that very frequently in horror movies, I'm like, go to the police. I'm shouting at the screen. And so you're kind of like, okay, so she finally decides to do it. And I think the police are concerned about her. Um, Yeah. So there's two police officers, a male and a female. And they, the the male in particular is very skeptical of her and is like, do you do drugs? Is there a history of mental health in the family? That kind of like issues in the family, which there is. And she's like, no, I don't do drugs. Um, And you see for a moment that was, is there a chance anyone could have, you were at a party last night, could anyone could have spiked your drink? And you realise she's like thinking, yeah, someone probably did spike my drink, thinking about it. But this happened, this is all started before that. Um, And yeah, so she just says, look, there's a guy who drinks in the chicken. He's her killer. He's still out there. Like, I know this happened. I've seen it. I've seen him. Um, But she doesn't know his name. So she overhears like like the, like the earlier scene in the toilets with the girls she hears the police officer in like the toilets or break room or something talking to other policemen laughing at her and the woman the police officer hears and she's like no look don't go I, you know I will look into this but you're giving me no you know I, I need a name you know it's really difficult to research something this old without any other yeah. details yeah um and then she's also like so I'll look into it but also you need a support network yeah, she can see that Ellie is is struggling and she's away from home. And she she said, you really, we need to make sure you've got a support network to help you. So she she decides to go do some research. Yeah. So I, I really love this scene. I don't know why I have a boner for like any research scene, whether it's like I'm going to the library to look at pictures of the devil or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. The or the old school like microfiche where you have oh, to like yeah. scroll. I love a bit of research in a horror film. Yes, give me the background. So she goes to do her research, and while she's in the library, this scene is nuts as well. She basically starts to have visions of these again, these faceless men aggressively chasing her down. Yeah. Um, and she's running, and then I forget what does she grab like a pair of shears? Well, before this, before this point, when she's first researching, John comes to find it because she has already spoken to John briefly um when she first got to class that morning, and he said, Did I do something wrong? And she's like, No, it's not you. So, you know, he's obviously very concerned about her now, and he comes and talks to her, and she's like, Look, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And she tells him, you know, I'm I'm sensitive, I can see things, and I've been seeing this, and I need I need help. I'm trying to find a name. And he's like, okay, let me help. So he takes a box of um, murders to look up. And he's like, God, this is only one year. And she's like, London, bad things happen here. And takes away. So he's off looking. And yeah, so she's sat 
researching and she gets a tap on her shoulder and she's like oh that was quick but it's not john it's one of these faceless men yes and yeah her john has also because she ran out of the classroom earlier and left her bag and um so he's like oh i've got your bag for you and obviously her like dressmaking scissors or shears shears yeah are in the bag and yeah so she's been chased around this library by all these faceless men who like she like hits them and when she seems to touch them they turn back into the real people that they actually are it's just people in the library and this one of them like is in her face and she goes and she's like right I've had enough of this and she goes to stab this this one right in the face but last second John grabs her arm and it's Jocosta and Jocosta's she's like, like the tip of the shears is yeah. like it, touching her nose almost yeah. I mean it's she was so close to stabbing her right in the face so yeah. obviously Jocosta of course starts screaming like security yeah security yeah so then so then ellie's like peace is out of there and goes yeah. to goes to the pub where she finds handsy and she starts to ask him about sandy she starts to ask him questions about who he really is and did he yeah, know somebody she, named sandy she has her phone on record because there's been a few little bits so when sandy when ellie changed her hair and bought the jacket Hansy's like stopped her in the you know outside the pub and being like oh I thought you were somebody else that smoked you know basically saying that he recognizes her she she reminds him of another blonde that kind of thing and he's made some really kind of creepy remarks like he picked up her drawing of her dress that she's designing but the the girl that she designed it in is Sandy like the whole thing is like Sandy and um he's picked it up and then he hands it to her outside so you've got all these hints that he knows who she is or yeah you know he knows that there's a connection to sandy he knows sandy and he doesn't seem to be particularly hiding it so yeah so ellie goes into the pub and the bar the the landlady of the pub who i absolutely loved was mrs doyle from father ted (laughs) but wait really quick i have a question for you yes in the earlier scene when it shows sandy sitting with sort of you know a ton of different guys chatting to them having the same conversation what's your name blah blah you know and then one of them is handsy like did you recognize him in that scene because i did but i I wasn't sure okay you weren't supposed to either you're supposed to think it yeah you're supposed to think the old guy is jack i mean and i did wonder that but then very clearly one of the guys who sat down with her at least to me i could totally see that it was the same guy no. I mean, I could tell. I could tell. But I, even if you could tell, you still are assuming that he's yeah, one of the jobs that she slept with. She, because so. she, because you're supposed to think it's Jack. Yeah. Because that's why she starts recording, and while she's talking to him downstairs in the basement of the pub, you know, I know what you did to Sandy, and and he's so, yeah, like, so in the. In yeah. the course of this conversation that Ellie is having with Hansy in, in like modern times, she uses her mobile phone to record what he's saying. And so, yeah. yeah, he and he gets really irritated or like irritable with the questions that she's asking about Sandy. Yeah. You know? like, and, and she's like, oh, um, I know what you did to Sandy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you don't. He's like, Sandy was different. I knew a lot of girls, but Sandy was different. And then in the end, he's like, he's walking out. He's like, I've had enough of this. I'm going. So she follows him out on out of the side of the pub. And um, he's like, don't forget, girl, I know where you live and things. And she's like, I know you killed Sandy. And he's like, you know, nothing. I didn't kill Sandy. Alex did. And then he's like, stops and turns and he says, and I've got a message for Alex or something. And then he gets hit by a car because he just stops in the middle of the road. Yes. And he gets hit by this car and knocked down. 
and everyone's running out like, oh my God. And then the um, Mrs. Doyle, the landlady of the pub comes out and while someone's on the phone to 999, she's like, oh, tell them his name's Lindsay. He's he's a, he's a, he's a policeman, he's, he's an ex-cop. Yeah. yeah, that might make them come quicker. And Ellie's like, what? And she's like, yeah, his name's Lindsay. And she's like, I thought his name was Jack. And she's like, no, no, no that's Lindsay. He's ex-vice. He, he's been a, he's been a, you know, he knew all the girls here in, in Soho. You know, he's always worked here in Soho in the 60s. So that's when you realise that that's who it was. It, it, you know, it was the guy who was telling her, Sandy to get out. And she realises, and she realises yeah. it's not Jack. Yeah. Yeah. So more running away. This is a whole lot of Ellie running. She's like running yep. to the library. She runs away. She runs her phone box and she calls her gran. And she's like, gran, I have to get out of London tonight. I can't be here anymore. Um, and her gran's like, well, I, you know, I'll try and get someone to, to, to drive me to London. And then she sees John looking for her and she's like okay I've got someone here who can help me so she runs and finds John and she's like I've got to go I've got to get out of London tonight do you know who can help me and he's like well I've got a car I'll drive you so they get in a car and she's like I need to go and tell my land Mrs Collins that I'm leaving and get my stuff and he's like oh do you want me to come with you and she's like no Mrs Collins already said if she sees you again she's gonna kill you for because she thinks that she you know at this point she thinks that you hurt me that kind of thing and she's like if I'm not back in 15 minutes come and get me so she goes into the house and she's like, oh, Mrs. Collins, I'm really sorry. Because like she made a promise that she wouldn't be one of these girls that just runs away without telling her. And, and um, Mrs. Collins is like, oh, come in, sit down, you know, have a cup of tea. Tell me what's happening. A police lady was here looking for you. Are you here on your own? And she's like, yeah. And at this point I was like, oh, shit, is the old lady evil? Well, yeah. So then she, because she realises... Ellie realizes that uh, Mrs. Collins has put something in her drink. Well, right? she tells her. Yeah, she tells her. So yeah. basically, she's talking and she's like, "Oh, I got some of your mail." And when she's looking, Ellie's looking at the mail. She realizes that her landlady's first name is Alexandra, and that's what Sandy Sandy's real name was because you hear her in like some of the bits in the back. You know, she's like, "Oh, it's um, so like, oh, what Sandy's short for." And she's like, "Oh, Alexandra." And then when in that scene where she's meeting loads of men. It's like, oh, what's your name? Oh, it's Lexi. Oh, it's Alex. Oh, it's, you know, Alexi, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And then also and, um, when Hansy was talking about Alex. Yeah. 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 And then that's when you realise. And it's like, oh, shit. And then basically she she's like, oh, you know, you've sent this policewoman round, you know, sniffing into things. And this is when you have a brilliant performance, I thought, by this, by the lady playing, you know. Mrs. Collins, yeah. Miss miss collins and basically she's like these men hurt me so i killed them and you get a flashback and she and and when that scene that ellie had wasn't jack killing sandy it was sandy killing jack yeah like he hurt me a hundred times i stabbed him a hundred times um and then basically you have this kind of a bit of a, a montage it reminds me a bit of like sweeney todd almost you know of all these all these men yeah. coming into, into that room and she murdered them all in there all these johns and that was the thing because when ellie was doing her research she couldn't find anything about a girl being killed in you know stabbed but she found loads of missing men yes and at first research, she was, yeah I, yeah and it's almost like you were supposed to think that it was you know the, the press just didn't bother writing about all these missing girls when actually it was there what it wasn't a missing girl it wasn't a murdered girl it was all these missing it men the and Sandy had killed them. Yeah. And I forgot what they called her. She had a nickname. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Yeah. That I either, can't but... remember. Cause I was just like, wow. And yeah, she's killed all these men 
and put them in the walls of the house. And that's why Ellie is picking up, you know, seeing them everywhere and things, because she's basically living in the murder room and all the bodies oh, yes. are everywhere in the, the murder walls of the house. All the, the faceless men, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, I completely understand why you did it. You know, like, I, 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 because obviously she's Ellie's felt how Sandy was feeling. She's seen what happened to her. She's like, I won't tell anyone. And Alex is like, no, you won't, because I've poisoned you. She's like, you're, I'm not going to stab you like the others. No, you know, I've just put something in your tea and you're going to fall asleep and you just won't wake up. And Ellie starts to like get really drowsy and, you know, she's dropping the cup and Alex's like, oh, you just lie back. No more excitement for you this evening. And that's when John knocks on the door because she's been too long. And she's like, oh, you lied. You know, you told me that you were on your own. And so she lets John in because John's like, oh, I'm just here to pick up Ellie. And she's like, oh, yeah, she's upstairs. And she comes in and Ellie manages to get to the door and she's like, John, run. And Alex stabs John in the stomach. Yeah. And he collapses on the floor. But when um, when Ellie first goes in to see Alex, Alex has started smoking. And she's like, oh, I was always on the edge of starting up again. And all this excitement of last night, it's just they started. So she's got a cigarette and she's left it on the side. And when Ellie is trying to, you know, she's been drugged, she's trying to crawl to warn John, she's knocked over the ashtray and the cigarette falls into like some of the old because everything's old is everything's still very 60s in the house and yeah so the living room catches fire and Ellie is trying to Ellie starts crawling up the stairs to get away and I loved this scene yeah because Ellie's kind of crawling backwards up the stairs and Alex is coming towards her and you everything kind of goes red and she turns into Anya Taylor-Joy yeah and so she's, she's like, like she's she's like switching back and forth between young yeah. and old like she's like young. flickering it's yeah. like flickering it's amazing i loved it yeah yeah and so the fire... she's singing as she's crawling up the stairs like annie taylor joy's like singing i forgot what she's singing to her and it's like really really weirdly shot and it's beautiful well and she you... but do you hear like firemen arrive yeah. at the door and so they're they're trying to get in and they do manage to get in and they're and they're trying to rescue Ellie and John. And you can sort of see Sandy has and she and she's she's decided to basically kill herself in the fire. Yeah. So, so Ellie gets up to Ellie gets up to the room and Sandy's you have the scene last a couple of minutes of them going up the stairs together and, and like Anna Taylor Joy's there with this knife and so yeah she gets up the stairs and she gets to the room and Ellie's trying to get to the phone but all these ghosts of these men are at first you think they're holding her back and they're holding onto the bed because all these arms appear and they're holding her down yeah then you realize that when she goes to the phone they're also going for the phone and the ghosts and you hear what they're saying and they're like help us help us so the ghosts have been trying to of all these men have been trying to get to Ellie to get because they know that she can sit you know that she's psychic so that they can help you know she can help find get their killer to justice and like find out what happened to them basically so she's in there and as Alex gets to the door she sees all of these men and she sees Jack and Jack's basically like fuck you (laughs) the ghost of Jack yeah Um, and this is and that's when yeah you hear the firemen at the door and the sirens and things and Sandy's like I'm not going to prison I've lived in a prison all my life and Ellie's like, no, come on, like hugging her. Like, no, this doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to go down like this. Just come with, you can live. You can finally live. And she's like, no, nah, not happening. So she sits down and she tells Ellie to run. 
basically. She's like, run, save the boy, um, go. So Ellie's trying to run down the stairs and Sandy just sits down on the bed and lets the, the flames engulf her, basically. I just yeah. thought it was such a disturbing, again, like quite emotional scene. Oh, yeah. It's a shot of her in the fire because she's young. It shows her yeah. young. Instead of like old Mrs. Collins, it shows like young Sandy. And I just thought it was like quite moving, actually, because there's so much to unpack in this in terms of like, who is the predator, the men or Sandy? And then she sort of turns on them because she's been pushed. Like, I just felt like that's why I kind of wanted to do this film, because I felt Mm -hmm. like I was really keen to hear your opinion on it, because I don't know. On the one hand, it's like this you're thinking the whole time that she's the victim and actually the men are the victim. And I think that that, yeah, I don't know. So we, but but would you, would you, so yeah, you know, you see Ellie and John being put into ambulances and you see the house basically burn down. Like it's completely engulfed in flames. It's destroyed. Um, And you see them in the ambulances and off they go. And then it's, opens up you know comes to and we're probably a couple of months into the future and yeah it's 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 the end of well it'll be no it'll be about it'll be about six months maybe if you think about it because the end of her first year yeah it's the end of her first year so they're doing a fashion Um, show for yeah she's doing her her final fashion show and showing off her collection she's made of all these like 60s beautiful Dresses. Well, they were like they were like sixties inspired, but with modern touches. I did not yeah. like it personally. I did not like it. I preferred just the old no. stuff. But okay, whatever. Um, we get it. Yeah, I had some changes. Watching. Yeah, her grand's there, sat with John, and they're sat together watching and applauding her. And and the um the course tutor when she comes out is like, I knew it. You're such a star, Ellie. And the two girls from the beginning are like, Oh, you're so brave. <laughs> and even Jacosta <laughs> kind of gives her like a bit of a you know bit of a look. But yeah. Um, so yeah. at, the, at the end of the fashion show, she's kind of in the dressing room and there's a yeah. big full length mirror there. And so yeah. she looks in the mirror and she sees her mom. And now we haven't seen her mom since the very like opening scene in yeah. the mirror at all. So it's kind of like, I thought maybe her mom was only limited to that mirror in that house. Well, yeah, that, that was kind of, she was like, oh, you know, I haven't seen, she hasn't seen her mom. And then the whole t- thing, her grand's like, oh, your mom will be so proud of you. And she's like, yeah, I know she is. And then she turns back to give her mum a look in the mirror. And it's not her mum anymore. It's Sandy. Hi, Sandy. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, so now Sandy's haunting her, with her. Yeah. I don't know. Not sure. Not um, sure. And then she didn't seem too upset by it, though. Oh, see, I thought she did look, I mean, maybe not super distressed. Surprised. Yeah, yeah, surprised. yeah. She was, yeah. But it's like, what does that mean going forward? Yeah. Like, we don't know. So... Yeah. And then that's pretty much how it ends. So how many pink dresses did you give it? I don't know. I Do you want me to say mine? Yeah. I gave it four. I thought it, and then I in my notes, it was like, I could give it more, I could give it less because I definitely think that there were flaws with the story or things that could have been maybe improved on slightly but because I almost feel like that so Edgar Wright as the director touched on so many fascinating things but he only touched on them there wasn't like a whole ton of depth to them and so but equally sometimes I don't mind when the director kind of leaves it up to you to like unpack and figure out I find that really interesting at times so yeah 
Yeah. So, I mean, so to me, it was a four because I felt like it was very strong and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm going to love talking about it with you right now, but yeah, as I say, like things that could yeah. have been done differently or better or m- made a little bit more clear, but yeah. So what, what did you, what did you, give? I'm going to give it like a 3.75. Yeah. I think, I think partly because the things in this film that I found scary weren't really the horror elements. Okay. Elaborate. Yeah. So the things that really scared me in this film was the trafficking, the pimp, you know, just the abuse of all the men. The only Sorry, you mean not- the abuse of the women by the men? Yeah. Or- yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the only decent man in this entire film is John in the modern day. Yeah. Everybody else, the taxi drivers that she first meets is scum. The other student men are scum. You know, one of them comes up and asks uh, the first night and asks about like fucking her in the ass or something. You know, the old policeman is horrible. The, the young policeman in the future is horrible. And then you go to the past and that first guy, and you realise that, you know, she goes to Cafe Perry. And as far as I can tell, the barman who told her to speak to Jack, Jack and the guy that she hit are all in on it. They're all, you know, that Jack is not a manager, he's a pimp. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are all there to push these women these girls to Jack so that he can then, you know, traffic them and exploit and them. Manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, it's and, like, but see what I think is interesting hundred percent. And I think that there is also somewhat of a, I don't know. There, there's some, there's something realistic about that in a really sad way. Yeah. Listen, obviously not all men are scum. Of course, like we are a feminist podcast, but we love men, you know, but a, a lot of them are scum. A lot of yeah. them don't know how to talk to women or be respectful or view them as anything other than objects. And so, and that's exactly how this film treated them. But then what I kind of liked about it was that I feel like he's fucking with me a bit because then at the end, you find out that these men are victims in a sense. Okay. They're victims of murder, but they've been, you know, victimizing women their their entire lives. And so it kind of makes you feel I don't know. It's a conflicting feeling. Like, do they deserve to be murdered? I don't know. Do but... you see her? Do you see Sandy as this kind of murder? As I almost saw it as like a revenge. Well, sure. Like for yeah, the way you, that you she's know, been treated yeah. her whole life. Like, like they... look at old, you know, like old rape revenge horror films, which is a is a subgenre of itself. There are yeah. quite a lot of them. You look like Last House on the Left and things like that. Yeah. Um, and this, to me fell into that category almost felt you know I always joke about my like good for her films like Midsummer. yeah and um yeah I'm like <laughs> at the end of it I'm like I'm kind of in a bit of a good for her because these men all preyed on her she of just course. returned the favor yeah of course but I guess yeah. if you're looking at it sort of as a principle or like the moral of it like you know, does someone deserve to be murdered? I mean, yeah, maybe, but maybe maybe. sometimes. I don't know, like, this is why when you talk about, like, the rape revenge films, like, very often, if a man has raped a woman and she murders him later, I've got no problem with it. Yeah. I'm all kind of all for it. So, you know, it was implied in this movie, I think, a bit that this trafficking was borderline, like, rape, obviously. This was not not something that she consented to and and she did not feel empowered enough to stop it. She was forced into it. 
Absolutely. So, I mean, that, but I like that this film kind of fucked with me a bit in terms of my conflicting feelings about it. Because, yeah. of course, I'm thinking that these faceless men are the uh, aggressors. Yes. And, and they're coming after her. And it turns out they want her help so that they yeah. can, I don't know, be released from the prison that they're, they've yeah. been trapped in by this murder. But were they good people in life? No, they weren't. And like you pointed out, none of the men are aside from John have redeeming qualities and speaking of John that borderline sort of accusatory rape scene I found extremely problematic because John is one of the only people of color in the movies Mm -hmm. and this in the movie rather and that was not even really touched upon here you have a white woman and a white older woman kind of assuming or making presumptions based on what happened that night where he's in the he got caught in the house you know, for a, ma- a black man, that's like a murder set, a, a death sentence, you know? Yeah. So it's like, and the, and this is what I mean. Like Edgar Wright didn't go into that at all by choosing to make John a, a, a character of color. I don't think in these modern days that you can just completely leave that untouched. So yeah. I thought that was a missed, either a missed opportunity or yeah, I don't know. Like you just, the reality is a man of color being borderline accused of raping a white girl would not go down like that. Uh, And also to be fair to John, I don't know how realistic that character was written because I don't know that a man of color would then come back for her. He probably would be like, fuck this. I'm out. (laughs) Like this crazy white girl almost get me, you know, arrested, killed by the landlady. So I don't know. I, this is what I mean. Like there were a lot of sort of in terms of gender politics, I suppose, like he didn't really, dig into that he just kind of left it a little bit surface level yeah and at the beginning of the episode you sort of said he can be style over substance and this is I think an example where I felt like I wish that he'd gone a little deeper yeah instead of just presenting us but but even having said that again I feel like I'm sort of contradicting myself because I just said a minute ago sometimes I like to unpack it so I was very keen to hear what your thoughts were as the sort of residents you know feminist wrote your dissertation about these kind of things like yeah I it is very much you know she she plays a very female part earlier in the film you know she's very stereotypically you know she's built very much for the male gaze she's very beautiful and when she defies that it's like she becomes a monster and so it is very much the monstrous feminine when she starts acting like the men and preying on them has like they've been preying on her and she becomes a monster, but they're not seen as monsters for preying on her. You know, it's, it's very much, there is a lot of that. But I agree, it could have been touched on more. But overall, I will say, I really liked it. I was not bothered about watching this film. When I first saw the trailers, I thought, okay, it looks interesting. But I'm not really bothered by anything set in the 60s. You know, not really an era I particularly care about. I'm not a huge Edgar Wright fan. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. And that was one of the things that made me think, oh yeah, I'll give this a watch. But I actually really enjoyed this film and I have definitely recommended it to people since I've watched it. Yeah. So, yes. Well, and I think you can't help but like some elements of it as well. Like, yeah, I'm the same. I'm not like crazy into the 60s, but I really liked all of the references. And I think it's interesting, interesting as well to kind of think about, you know, how the feminist movement from the 60s versus modern day. And so that, you know. I almost feel like Edgar Wright was kind of over his head a little bit with all of these elements, like the, 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 the feminism and the sexual aspects, as well as like white privilege and that kind of thing. And that's what I mean, like that kind of surface level, but super enjoyed it. I did not find it overwhelmingly frightening. It had frightening scenes. 
And also the twist at the end that, if you could call it a twist, but that the landlady was Sandy. I wasn't hugely surprised by that. Like, I wasn't like, oh my God, I never saw that coming. Like, I did kind of wonder about it. Yeah, I agree. But overall, it's good. And I would definitely recommend it. We would love some recommendations for some films to watch next. We're going to try and get a few out soon. I know we're a bit scattered at the minute with our recording, but it will get better soon, I promise. Um, we've had a lot of technical difficulties and we both keep getting sick. <laughs> um, so yes, we will we will get back on track soon, I promise. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, like, follow, share, send us messages, send us gifts, send us love. We love you. Thank we you, love you all. for listening. Thank you. Yes, thank <laughs> you for listening. We love you. All right, guys, till next time. Brothers Keg, take us out. Bye. Bye. Bye.